Well, hello everybody and welcome back to the All Saints podcast. Today I want to touch upon an issue which has arisen a number of times in recent pastoral conversations. Uh, I say recent, over the last few weeks and actually the last few months in a number of different contexts. And it looks like it's something which it may be worth just um, getting some foundations in place about. It's related to the issues that we've been talking about on and off in recent weeks, the relationship between parents and their children. But it concerns situations that may arise where difficulties appear in the relationship between parents and their adult children. I'm thinking of two scenarios, two kinds of scenarios. On the one hand, um, I've had conversations with uh, adults in the congregation who've come with questions about how they should handle what seem to them at least, to be uh, unwise decisions or even ungodly decisions that their own adult children are making. So parents might be in their 50s or something and the children may be in their 20s. And clearly that differs somewhat from the situation when the parents have children who are very young. And then the flip side of that, uh, we not infrequently encounter situations where grown-ups, adults, perhaps married, perhaps even with children of their own, are struggling with questions about how to relate to their own parents, who obviously like the next generation older than them, who may be doing things which, in their view, seem unwise or foolish or even ungodly. Now, this is not an easy issue to sort out. It's um, going to, uh, the, the right way forward is going to depend on lots of specifics about the situation which will vary quite markedly from relationship to relationship. And one of the things I want to do is to highlight um, some cautions to make sure we don't make hasty generalizations about what to do. But in the first instance, it might just be worth um, sketching the, the simple picture from which these complicated situations arise. Imagine the much simpler situation, which actually is the background of what we've been thinking about a lot in recent weeks, parents and children. You've got mum and dad. You've got young children who are not adults. They might be teenagers and therefore heading towards young adulthood. They may be under the age of 13. They may be you know, real small children. And there, what we're really trying to do is um, to uh, encourage the parents and the children to adopt a biblical approach to fulfilling some fairly basic biblical commandments, like the fifth commandment, honour your father and mother. That's really what's at the heart of the attitude you're trying to inculcate in young Christian children. And then uh, similarly, the echoes of that in the letters of Paul, for, for example, Ephesians 6. And then from the parents, what you're trying to say is, okay, well, you've got a responsibility for your children to bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, not to exasperate them and so on. And that complex, though very condensed instruction in Ephesians 6 uh, there's lots of facets to that. You, you're not wanting to frustrate them with either no discipline or overbearing or uh, intemperate or inconsistent discipline. You're wanting to play the long game, raise them slowly, expecting them to uh, uh, develop gradually over time, always focusing them on the uh, of the Lord portion right at the end of that text, seeking to raise them as young Christians and so on. So when you've got children, little children and adult parents, at least the basic outlines of the biblical material that's relevant are clear. But now what happens when, for example, you've got uh, adult Christians, maybe married, maybe even have children of their own, and they're coming along and they're saying, well, look, I, I want to honour my father and mother, but 
they look like they're doing something which seems to me really erratic, really foolish. Maybe they're requiring things of me which seem to me unreasonable. Um, maybe they're not believers, and that's exacerbating the unreasonableness of the requests that they're making of me. Uh, maybe they're separated or divorced, and that is further exacerbating the kind of fractured nature of the relationships, because in separation and then divorce, obviously the, the covenant commitment entailed in marriage is abandoned by one or the other of the parties with the result that maybe both parties with the result that the divorce is initiated. So how do you fulfill the obligation to honour your father and mother when you're an adult, you've got your own family, you've got your own children maybe, um, and they, you feel that mum and dad are not behaving in a very sensible, wise, godly way, and then they're making demands of you and so on and so forth. Or flip the thing around the other way, you've got um, your own children have grown up, they're 20-something, and they're about to make or they have made some decisions which you think, oh, that's really foolish, that's really ungodly. And you're, you're thinking, well, what kind of authority do I have over them to discipline and disciple them and so on and so forth? Um, clearly it's different, or is it different, from uh, when they're very young. Well, I want to say, yes, it is. I'll explain why in a second. Um, but what should one do in that circumstance to safeguard oneself against foolish and ungodly responses to that? So let me give you a couple of principles at first just to try and shape our approach to this situation. Then I want to sketch a couple of practical steps that may be helpful in dealing with this. The first thing to recognise is that, I hope this is obvious, but when a person who is a child of their parents grows up, and especially when they get married and begin a household of their own, in biblical terms, a new social unit is created. Think of Genesis 2, a man will leave his father and his mother and cleave to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. They become, in effect, uh, a new family. Of course, they're connected with um, their own parents, but the connection with their own parents now sits within a context where the primary covenant relationship within which that social, uh, the social bonds that govern those relationships are between the husband and the wife. And this needs to be recognised in the way that mum and dad relate to them. So what that means is uh, it wouldn't be reasonable, wouldn't be biblical, and certainly wouldn't be workable to expect from adult children, especially married adult children, the same response to parental uh, injunctions or advice, much less discipline, that one might rightly expect from younger children. In other words, you have to accept, we all have to accept as parents, that we do our parenting work principally when our children are young. Really what we're doing is we're training them in those early years. Think of an analogy with military training or uh, job training or any other kind of training. You get to a point where really you've done the training. You've had the input. You, you're past the point now where you get to say, no, you can't do this. Yes, you must do that. You've got to the point where, well, what I've done, I've done. And now my son, my daughter needs to step out on their own. And especially in marriage, uh, there is a decisive point there at which a new social unit is formed. I think probably most people would agree with that so far, at least in theory. 
It's interesting to me, at least, that this doesn't always seem to be recognized in practice, even in some of our circles, where sometimes you get an, a sense that there's a, an unhealthy expectation that grandma or great-granddad will still really be making decisions for his 20-something um, grandchildren who themselves are married and about to have their first children. I have to say I think that's slightly unhealthy, at least in theory. Uh, it could work out okay if it just happens that you've got particularly godly granddad, particularly godly great-grandma, but as a structure for thinking about how human life ought to be oriented, I want to encourage you to think about a change that ought to take place at the point when your children grow up and get married. It's no longer that you're disciplining them, that you're shepherding them in that way. The relationship really ought to be between you and this other adult who you are responsible for having formed into the kind of adult they've become. And it's more a reciprocal kind of relationship. A relationship in which, yeah, of course you'd expect um, a wise son or a wise daughter, even once they're married, to go to their parents to talk about big decisions, to get advice from them, like you might expect them to go to other people to get advice from them also. But it's a mutual, complementarian kind of relationship. It's a advice, what do you think relationship, rather than going for permission. Put it most starkly, I do not think that adult married Christians, adult married anyone for that matter, adult married Christians ought to be going to their parents for permission to do things. So what do we say then about the general situation uh, in contexts where you've got uh, adults who aren't married? And I think at this point we have to realise um, this isn't an area that scripture addresses with quite the same specificity that one sees, let's say, the, the black and white transition mentioned in Genesis 2, a man leaving his father and mother and being united to his wife and becoming one flesh. What you see, rather, is as young people become young adults and then become more mature adults, they take more and more responsibility for their own lives, for their own actions, uh, for their own financial position and so on. And they become less and less dependent on their parents for that. And it seems to me that it's reasonable to say, at least in broad terms, that the degree to which a parent ought to expect to have input into that relationship is at least related somehow to the, the degree to which they are providing support for that young person. Let's take a limiting example. Imagine a young man, or indeed a young woman, uh, where you've got, they're 30, 40, 50 years old, uh, they've been living in their own home for 10, 20, 30 years, they're financially independent, uh, it would be entirely reasonable for them to expect to be able to make their own decisions about various things. Um, whereas if you've got someone who is, let's suppose they're 21, 22 years old, they're at college, uh, they're studying, um, Mum and dad are still providing quite a lot of financial support for them, but they have a degree of independence, they're working themselves a little bit on the side and so on. Well, you'd still expect that young person to be self-determining to a fairly significant degree. And yet, because the uh, expectation of provision and support is there, I think the young adult might reasonably expect to have to listen rather more carefully to and take more seriously any objections from their parents to what they are thinking of doing. 
In other words, I want to suggest that there is a, a black and white change, really, that comes with marriage. And then shades of grey heading towards um, increasing independence as young people prior to marriage grow into young adults and more mature adults. Now, the crucial thing is this doesn't actually solve any of the kinds of uh, questions that might arise. What it does do, though, is set in place a set of expectations for them. To, just to summarise so far, uh, young people, as they grow, you'd expect them into young adulthood to gain more independence from their parents and certainly at marriage a significant step of independence is attained at that point so that the relationship between them and their parents transitions from I honour you by submitting to your authority to I honour you by being ready to make provision for you in your old age I honour you by listening to your advice but I might disagree with it and in the end, I might decide to go my own way at that point. Now, what this doesn't settle, and it's not something I want to touch on now because it's a more complex and bigger subject, is the, the questions that might arise in relation to the specific question of courtship and marriage. Um, there are a whole bunch of other considerations that ought to enter the picture when we're thinking about how a young woman or how a young man ought to uh, relate to his own parents or her own parents in thinking about um, somebody I might be interested in marrying or they might be interested in marrying me and so on and so forth. There's a bunch of other things that need to be set in place there, which we'll talk about another time. But just in general, those, those coordinates set in place some reasonable expectations. So let's try and work through some loosely sketched practical um, examples. I, I'll try and think through a couple. Let, let's imagine uh, the first example. Uh, you've got uh, husband and wife, um, more mature in years, they've got grown children, and they're a little concerned. I think one of their sons is, say, making some really foolish decisions. Um, and they think, well, we ought to stop this. How should we stop him? He won't listen to us. And what I want to say there is, well, you've got to be really quite careful. Um, firstly, because in practical terms, simply laying the law down won't work in a case where your child, your son, your daughter, uh, has a high degree of independence. You can see the realities of life fit with the need for the recognition of a more mutual, respecting relationship, a relationship of discussion and consensus and seeking and giving advice at that point. Um, because in the end, it's very hard to compel a 25, 26, 27 year old to do what you want them to do. And that raises a second issue, which is that, frankly, you, the parents, might just be wrong. And if you've raised your child up to the point of young adulthood, and now they're making a decision which you think is so seriously terrible that um, it's starting to cause concern for you, then one of the things that you actually need to consider yourself is the possibility that your judgment of that situation might be mistaken. And so I'd encourage you to take advice about it. In... This kind of situation, in other words, the way to deal with it is not disanalogous to a helpful way of thinking about a disagreement between any two adults. Um, seek input from somebody else. Uh, you'd be welcome to come to myself or to Pastor Neil, or if you're another church, I'm sure the wise thing to do would be to go to your pastor. In other words, what you want to do is to safeguard yourself 
against the possibility that you might be making a misjudgment at this point. You know, I think my 25-year-old daughter is doing something absolutely ridiculous. Well, tell me what it is. Well, actually, that doesn't sound so ridiculous to me. It seems kind of reasonable to me, or at least the sort of thing that, even if you might not prefer it, it's not sinful, it, it might not be your choice, etc. But it's something which they're perfectly entitled to do. You see what we're trying to do? We're trying to recognise the need both to honour the maturity of the person that we're dealing with and to recognise that we ourselves might be wrong in our evaluation of the decision that they're, they're contemplating. This is why I'm actually quite glad to have had a number of these conversations in, in recent months because it is terribly easy for us to leap to the conclusion that while our children are being foolish and sinful, where, well, maybe they are, or maybe they're just doing something which you wouldn't have chosen, but it's perfectly fine, it's perfectly legitimate. Perhaps it's just something that they need to talk about. Perhaps it's something that you both need to talk about so that you can understand each other a little bit better, so that you can learn, well, why is it that you want to make this decision? Why is it you want to move to this place or take this job or go to this church or whatever it is? In other words, mutual understanding becomes so much more important in those kinds of situations where you're dealing with your adult children. We all had the chance to really dictate the shape of our children's lives when they were younger. Those were the years in which we were setting them on the path that they're now on. Now that they're on it as adults, our relationship with them needs to recognise their God-given independence. And it's very possible they may make decisions that we don't like, it's even possible they might do things which are foolish or ungodly, and we want to help them with that. And the way to help them with that is to recognise the appropriateness of conversation and consensus, and perhaps get somebody else involved in that. Analogous considerations arise in relation with parents. So imagine now the situation is reversed. You might be in your 20s and 30s, 20s and 30s, 20s or 30s. Um, uh, you might be married even with children of your own and um, uh, you feel that your parents are making demands on you which are kind of unreasonable. Uh, demands about how often they come and see you or how often you go and see them or in what circumstances or objections to the way you're raising your children or objections to the way you're educating them or even objections to other aspects of your relationships, the church you go to and so on and so forth. Well, truth is they might be right. They might be right. Uh, they might not be, but you've got to figure out honestly what's most likely and be ready to recognise the possibility that your instinctive uh, reaction might be misplaced, while at the same time uh, putting yourself in a position where you recognise, look, uh, I do have um, the responsibility to make the decisions that I think are best for my family. So how do you approach that? Well, um, if you can talk about it, and you can talk about it as adults, then that's just the best thing to do, to go in with the expectation in talking with your parents that you can have a conversation with them as adults. If it looks like that's not something that you're able to do, um, then the temptation may be simply to say, well, I'm going to draw a line in the sand, I'm just going to decide for myself. After all, I'm a grown adult, I'm married, I have my own family. Well, Yes, but before doing that, let's recognise again the danger that all of us face of potentially making foolish or unwise decisions, even as adults, even as married people. Our parents might drive us nuts occasionally, but they might be right and we might be wrong. 
And so again, I'd want to encourage you, safeguard yourselves by seeking advice from somebody else. And again, come to me, come to Pastor Neil, come to whoever your pastor is. The bottom line is what we're trying to do in both of these situations is to recognize firstly that the relationship changes as somebody moves, as a child, pardon me, moves from being 10, 12, 15, through becoming an adult, 20, 25, 30, and especially with marriage and the formation of their own family. And it brings a degree of independence and the expectation that from time to time, a child, who's an adult now, will do things that their parents disapprove of. While at the same time, what we're trying to do, and here's the key thing, is to recognize a possibility that we might be wrong. It might be great for us to hear some advice from our 60-year-old parents, even if we think that this doesn't sound like what I want to do, to try and talk about that in an adult way. And if you need help, just uh, working those things out, whether or not it's possible to talk with your parents in that way, then get help to do so. One final consideration to bear in mind, of course, comes with the complexities that um, surround uh, non-Christian parents, uh, or perhaps parents who have uh, separated or divorced, and therefore, uh, there have been introduced into their lives new relational complexities which make you wonder really to what extent your best interests are right at the heart of their thinking. And again, I think I'd want to say here um, that parental authority is not absolute, but neither is it the case that parental concerns ought to be completely ignored. Even in those kinds of situations, it's reasonable to say, okay, uh, my mum and dad uh, seem to want me and my husband or my wife to do things which we just think are wrong. And the reason they want that, it seems to us, is, well, they're not Christians or they're not behaving like Christians. Okay, well, what are you supposed to do in that situation? Well, you might be right. You, you might actually be right to ignore the wishes of your parents or to go against them directly against them as adults. But before going ahead and doing that, please, please, please take advice about it. Talk to somebody. Because it's perilously easy, as we've seen in these other circumstances, to make decisions which are really shaped more by, well, what do I want to do, um, than by uh, all of the considerations that ought to feature in uh, shaping uh, the relationship between you and other adults, and really ought to shape the kind of lives that you live. Perhaps it's helpful just to conclude by sketching how things ought to work out, uh, because much of what I've talked about has tried to deal with um, scenarios in which relationships have become fractured or broken. If I just conclude by sketching how things ought to work, then perhaps you'll see where we're trying to get to, and how, uh, in a circumstance where you feel that there's a deviation from that, how that can best be dealt with. What are we really trying to get to? Consider it from the point of view of the children, uh, for the sake of argument. You're raised by Christian parents who know you and who love you and are wiser than you in such a way that your life, your decision-making is informed and shaped by their life and their decision-making. And that's good because they're wise and they're godly and they're Christians and they love you. And so what happens 
over the years is that you start to do more instinctively the kinds of things that initially when you were young they were having to discipline you quite sharply in order to get you to stay on the rails. By the time you get to 15, 16, 17, 18, you've imbibed instinctively the kind of approach to life that they've been trying to hammer into your head for a decade and a half. So that what that means then is you go off to college or you get your first job or something of that sort and your parents are just thrilled to watch you flourish because your decision making, your goals in life, the kind of relationships you adopt, the kind of job you look for, the kind of way you handle your money, your church choices, everything, they're shaped by the convictions and values that they've sought to instill in you for the previous two decades. So there's no conflict. There's no, well, who's in charge or no, who has authority over this decision? Sometimes what you might do, you might get to a particularly sticky moment uh, in your college career or your work career and you're not sure which path to take. And so you think, well, I'll go talk to mum and dad because I know that they come from the same kind of standpoint as me and they may be able to advise me and help me to think through what I ought to do. It's not, I need to go to mum so she'll tell me what to do, or I need to go to dad to get the instructions about the decision I need to take. It's rather, I know I can trust them, I know they love me, I know I've been shaped by them to inhabit the same worldview, and so their advice will be really valuable because they're wise and they've just had a generation more experienced than me. Or think of it from the other direction. As parents, you can easily see how that would work out. You seek to raise your children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord as they grow up. You see them, more or less, doing that. And at times as a parent, you fail and you know you fail. But despite that, God is gracious and your kids end up, well, more mature than you were at their age by a country mile. And then when they uh, take the first steps towards really significant independence, getting a job, going to college, moving away from the family home, you start to see them making the decisions that, wow, you wish you were smart enough, wise enough and godly enough to make at their age. And you're just thrilled because they're clearly following the path you've set for them. And so then um, if they're about to embark on some new venture, you might expect to have a conversation with them about that because they're interested. They want to share it with you and you can provide input and you can provide advice and you can provide your opinion without there being any sense of what well, I'm telling you what to do. So in that kind of situation, that's what we're looking for. It's deviations from that pattern that need to be handled wisely, recognizing the possibility that, yeah, we or our parents or our children could step out of line. And we need to safeguard ourselves from doing that while recognizing the crucial reality that with the beginnings of adulthood and independence and especially marriage, it is right and to be expected that a fresh degree of independence and self, uh, taking responsibility for oneself accrues to young people as they enter adult life. So then I'm pretty sure that has answered none of the specific questions that might be lingering in the minds of any of you about what do I do in this situation? What do I do in that situation? And so on and so forth. But I hope what it has done is giving you a, at least a sketch of a biblical framework for approaching those kinds of questions. Some of you have unbelieving parents. Some of you have parents who are on the verge of making decisions that you think are unwise. Some of you have adult children that you may be concerned about and so on and so forth. Uh, at least I hope what you know now is how broadly speaking to think about those relationships and perhaps how to approach 
trying to provide appropriate input to them. Just one final thought. Um, it's worth saying again that the new family that is formed with marriage, a husband and wife, and subsequently their children if they're blessed with them, is not just a new social unit uh, that ought to be recognised in the world. It is the social unit for which uh, a husband and wife are primarily responsible. And one of the challenges that sometimes uh, uh, Christian adults face is reorienting themselves towards taking that fact seriously, uh, especially with sometimes erratic or unreasonable demands from the grandparents, say, uh, to learn how to prioritise and put first the needs and uh, the welfare of your own wife, husband, and your own children in those relationships. That really is important and it's a corollary of the fact that Genesis 2 again, a man will leave his father and his mother and be united to his wife and become one flesh, a new institution, a new social unit in the world. That does take some navigating. Sometimes it takes some uh, clear encouragement to, yes, to go ahead and do that and just to check yourself that what you're planning to do isn't actually rebellious and foolish and ungodly and disrespectful towards your parents, notwithstanding the fact that they're uh, you have your own family responsibilities. Always worth checking those things by talking to somebody else about them. And if there's one message that comes out of this uh, at a practical level, maybe that's it. Don't be afraid to talk to other people. Certainly feel free to give me a call. As you know, these podcasts are primarily for people at All Saints. Pastor Neil or I will be delighted to hear from you uh, if any of these things have brought to the surface any questions that you may be wrestling with. I hope that's helpful. The Lord bless you. and. Bye for now.